Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome home. This is Tracy, and we want to thank you for being a part of the Life Together podcast. Before we get into this week's teaching, we want you to know that you matter to God and you matter to us. Life Together is a Wednesday evening gathering for worship, Bible study, and community here at Oak Creek Assembly of God in Oak Creek, Wisconsin. The theme scripture for this series that you've been in for this last month comes out of John chapter 13, verse 1. Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you that we're able to be in your house tonight. God, it's so busy here. There's so many classes going on and rehearsals going on, and God, you are truly in this place, and you are moving in lives throughout this building. But God, we ask that you would be here with us in this gym tonight, that you would speak to us through your word, each one of us, myself included, that we would hear from you, that we would be moved by you, and we will thank you, and we will praise you ahead of time for it. And everybody said? Amen. 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 So the topic tonight is, so what comes next? Next after what? Well, for the last several weeks, you've looked at how Jesus was thoroughly preparing his people for what was to come in his life and in theirs after he was gone. As I reminded the the group this morning, when we read those scriptures and when we talk about this, we know what's in the book. We know what it says happened before, and we know what, it, what happened afterwards. They didn't know that. As Jesus was sharing all of this stuff with them, this was all new information to them. So today we're going to start on chapter, in chapter 16. If you have a Bible uh, with you, you can go ahead and open there. If not, they're going to be up on the screen. Catherine, God bless you for taking care of screens for us. The first, th- first thing that we see is that Jesus is telling him all this stuff the first thing he did is he answered, why? <clears throat> I have told you these things so that you won't abandon your faith. And when I think about all of the, pe- the men that he was talking to and all of that he had vested in their life in three years, and now he's telling them, I'm telling you all this stuff so that you don't, don't abandon their faith. You're a faith. I can only imagine that there was questions in their head saying, what are you talking about? How would we abandon our faith? Because they didn't know what they didn't know. He goes on to say in verse 2, For you will be expelled from the synagogues. And the time is coming when those who, who kill you will think that they are doing a holy service for God. We have all heard around the world where things like that have happened, have we not? And it has happened in this country as well, though not as much as it may be happening elsewhere. That those that truly, truly think that they're doing a service to God. Think about that for a second. Well, then Jesus goes on in verse 3. And he says, this is because they have never known the Father or me. Yes, I'm telling you these things now. So that when they happen, you will remember my warning. I didn't tell you earlier because I was going to be with you a little while longer. 
Have you ever had a time in your life where you heard something or you saw something happen and you had that aha moment where you went, oh, I think I remember hearing about that. I remember as a kid, my mom telling me, warning me about something. It was a miracle that I was actually listening, that I even still at this old age, I remember it. But she, because she warned me about something, that when it happened, there was this pause, and I knew I had a decision to make because she warned me of what could happen. That's precisely what Jesus was doing with the disciples. He was warning them. As he, he said that stuff was going to happen, and he wanted them, when it happened, that they would remember what he said so they wouldn't panic and they wouldn't get nervous and they wouldn't worry about the why. What a great comfort when the Holy Spirit brings those things to us, right? Otherwise, we would fret and we would try to figure it out ourselves. But Jesus was preparing them just as he prepares us so that they would be ready. And then he goes on to talk about the work of the Holy Spirit in chapter, or excuse me, verse 5. It says, but now I am going away to the one who sent me, and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I told you. That was kind of an ouch. They got hung up on the what? Wait, what? You're going away? What do you mean? They were stuck in this grief and worrying about where is he going and how can we and what are we going to do? They were stuck in that. I can imagine there being conversations like, you can't be serious. Jesus, what are you talking about? We can't lose you and where are you going and what's going to happen? He goes on and he says, but in fact... It's best for you to go away. How many of you all know Jesus was really great at dropping bombs? That was a bomb. It's best for you if I go away. If you're a disciple, think about that. They didn't know what we know. Think about that. Quit your grieving because there's some good news. Again, they're still trying to figure that out. I can imagine the whispering that was going on. And then he says, it's best for you? How can that be good for us? But then he says, but in fact, it's best for you if I go away. Why? Because if I don't, the advocate won't come. The advocate, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. Let's unpack that for just a moment, if you would, with me. Jesus goes, or he's going to go, and then he's going to send the Holy Spirit in his stead, who has a job to do. It says that his job is to convict. The Holy Spirit's main job, with respect to promoting the message of Jesus Christ, is to convict the world. The word convict comes from a Greek word, and I'm going to butcher it. I'm going to say it wrong. If somebody in here is Greek, tell me how to say it right. To me, it looks like elencho. Elencho means to reprove, to expose, to refute, and to convict. That's the Holy Spirit's job. It's not our job. It's the Spirit's job. Before you throw tomatoes at me, I want to share with you just a little bit about that. There are some of us that think that it's our job to fix people. It's our job to tell people what's wrong with them. That's the Holy Spirit's job. 
thinking back to when we came to faith, it was a really long time ago. How many of you have seen the Jesus Revolution movie? Raise your hand. That was us. When Chuck Smith said in the movie, now you're trying to figure out how long ago it was. We got saved in 72. When he made that statement in the movie and he said, he put his arm on the shoulder, I think, of Greg Laurie and he said, the wave is going across the country. We were that wave. There's probably people in this room. Say amen if you were too. This morning I taught to, there was a much older crowd there, my age, and there were a bunch of people that came in that wave. I lost it in the movie when I heard that because that was us. We were a hot mess. We were young. And we came into a little tiny church. We didn't know anything. You don't know what you don't know. All we knew is that we were looking for something. And as he said in that movie, as he was explaining these young people that were coming into his church, and he was trying to explain to those that were being so Pharisees. And he was trying to explain to them they're just looking, they're just looking in all the wrong places. And that was us. We looked in drugs, we looked in alcohol, we looked in people and relationships, we looked into different religions. We just knew that there had to be more, but we didn't know where to look. What I didn't know was that in John 6.44, it said, for no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me, remember Jesus said, was going to draw them to me. He was drawing us to him. So after we accepted Jesus in that little assembly of God church in 1972, everything in our life changed. Everything went upside down. And we did, I mean, the things that we cared about, we didn't care about anymore. We cared about new things. We didn't understand them. And we looked for ways because we wanted other people to know Jesus just like we had come to know Jesus. And one day, because we were so excited about this, how many of y'all have been to a Brady Street Festival? Anybody in here? A few? Well, I saw that as a great opportunity. We had no idea how to evangelize. None whatsoever. We just knew what Jesus had done to us. So my husband said, what are you going to do with that booth? I don't know. So I called the Jesus people in Chicago. And I said, hey, can you all like, come up? And can you work with us for this festival? And they did. They came and they brought a small band and and they worked the streets with us, and we handed out those little chick tracks that they talked about in the movie. Yes, they were real. And we talked to people and rubbed shoulders with people, and we learned how to be, to be those that reach the lost. Nobody told us. Here's the thing, too, that as we were learning how to do that, nobody told us what, what the rules were. I was really glad they didn't because the Holy Spirit taught us we didn't know what we should do and what we shouldn't do. Our house was full of hippie stuff, peace symbols and zodiac things, and all kinds of stuff hanging on our walls. And that was back in the days, think about this a second, that was back in the days when pastors visited your house unannounced. Think about that. And it's not because they were like being nosy or anything. They just wanted to stop it and say, hey, how you doing? I love you. Can we pray for you? 
So mind you, he came walking into our house that had all of this stuff, all of the hippie stuff and the beads and the blood and blood and funny smells that you don't smell in other people's houses. I never panicked. I never thought a thing about it because he just came to love on us. And I remember one day I was watching television and I heard somebody explaining what peace symbols meant and zodiac stuff, all the stuff that was on our walls and I was horrified. And I couldn't wait. I got all the stuff off the walls and, and he threw it in the trash, destroyed it, whatever. And the next time I saw a pastor, I said, hey, I heard this when I was listening to this TV show and how come you never said anything to me? He said, Lori, it's my job to love you. And the Holy Spirit takes care of the rest. And the Holy Spirit did. The Holy Spirit did. And that became our mantra moving forward. Another time, we hadn't been saved very long, and the holidays were coming, and, and I knew that there was people that weren't going to have, that they weren't going to be able to celebrate a holiday. They have money for gifts. They don't have food. So I went to pastor, and I said, I was a bit, a, a bit like a firefly back then, and I guess I kind of still am. I get an idea, and I want to do it, and let's figure out how to do it, and let's get it done. So I went into pastor and said, can we do this? And he said, sure. So we went to work. We advertised for food, clothes. We found names from the Salvation Army of families that we could help. We found the sizes of the kids' clothes and took all these donations in from the people of the church. Well, then we had to sort all the stuff in the church basement. It wasn't a big church base, a church like this. It was small. So we set up tables in the hallway to sort through all of the clothes so that we knew what sizes were what and blah, 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 you know. Well, back in those days, um, <laughs> many of us smoked still. So we needed to have a smoke break. Remember, we didn't know the rules. So I went into the kitchen because the only church that we had been in before, they had ashtrays and they stored them in the kitchen. So I went in the kitchen looking for ashtrays and they weren't in there. And it was like, what? It never dawned on me that we weren't supposed to smoke in the church. I mean, there weren't rules today like you can't smoke in public buildings, right? Never dawned on me that we shouldn't do that. But I found candle holders. So I scooped up all the candle holders and came out and I set them on the tables. I said, okay, guys, now we can have a smoke break. Pastor walks in. Never dawned on me that, oh, no, here he comes. Not at all. He was the most grace-filled man. I didn't even know what that meant. I just knew that he loved us. And there wasn't anything that he was going to and chastise us for. It wasn't his nature. So he came in and he said, whoa, you guys got a lot of donations. This looks really good. And people are going to be blessed. And Whoa, look at all the clothes and the food. Never said a word about our little smoke break. I'm sure when we left, he worked like a goof to air out that building before anybody else showed up. But the whole point here is the grace and the mercy that was exhibited to us. I'm telling you, I know this church. I know the staff at this church. That's the kind of men and women that are on staff here. They love people. There's no, do it right or live right. Doesn't happen here. We learned. We learned to let the Holy Spirit work 
He discipled us. Our pastor continued to love us and disciple us, and he walked us through some pretty messy stuff. He never signed us up to be Holy Spirit police in anybody's life. Are there times when God will use us to be able to speak some of those hard truths to somebody's life? Yeah, you bet. I just had to do that last week. But it was born out of a relationship of love and trust that we can have difficult relationships. But God didn't call me to be no Holy Spirit police. We love people, and the Holy Spirit changes us. So let's jump down to verse 13. It says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. This is why I said, the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. Jesus just told them that they're going to have everything that they need. They're going to find out stuff they never knew. Because the Holy Spirit is a conduit through which God moves. Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to live inside of you. When you come to faith in Christ, that Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And he works through the Holy Spirit to teach us. To teach us as we're ministering to other people. To change our own lives. Then he goes on. In verse 16, and he says, in a little while you won't see me anymore, but a little while after that you will see me again. Doesn't that sound kind of crazy? You're not going to see me, but then you're going to see me again. Now, we know what he meant, but they didn't know that. So imagine being that disciple and hearing that. Okay, wait, we're not going to see you, and then we're going to see you again. Are you just, like, going away for a little while? They didn't understand how puzzled they must have been. They didn't see how it was all going to play out. They didn't know the details. So in verse 17, they begin asking each other, not him, but talking to each other. And it says in 17, some of the disciples asked each other, what does it mean when he says in a little while, you won't see me, but then you'll see me again. Can you imagine him talking about this? Doesn't that sound crazy? And he says, I'm going to the Father. What does it mean in a little while? We don't understand Verse 19 says, Jesus realized they wanted to ask him about it, so he said. Isn't that cool? He didn't just barge into their conversation. He knew they wanted to talk to him about it. He said, are you asking yourselves what I meant? I said in a little while, you won't see me, but in a little while after that, you will see me again. I tell you the truth, you will weep and you will mourn over what's going to happen to me, but the world will will rejoice. Do you hear the love and compassion in Jesus' voice? As I read through the scriptures, there's so many times that I think even, even reading some of the, the interactions that he had with people, depending on your view of Jesus depends on how you listen and how you hear and what you read about those encounters with people. Do you see Jesus as an angry, correcting Jesus? Because then you're going to hear him one way. Or do you see him as a loving, compassionate savior that wants people to learn and wants people to know and wants to heal people and draw them closer. If you hear that Jesus, then you'll hear the compassion in his voice as he's telling his disciples. Because quite honestly, if that was me, 
having these conversations with people. I'm not the most patient person in the world. I mean, not so bad, but I would have had times by now in the conversation where I'd want to go, how many times do I have to tell you this? Because mind you, this has been going on for several chapters, right? Where he's telling them of what's to come. But again, they didn't know the backstory. Then he goes on to tell them that they're going to grieve. They're going to grieve and the world is going to rejoice. I don't get that, Jesus. I don't get it. But then he goes on and he gives them hope for their grieving. He says, you will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. And it will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. And when her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy. Because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. He's explaining it. He wants them to know clearly. He wants us to know clearly. Why? Because when it happens, they will not fret. They will remember that he told them. So he spent all of this time, conversation, some of it confusing, some of it probably frustrating. But I'm sure there was a lot of talk back throughout the whole thing, but Jesus was so patient. And then we come to verse 31, and he throws another bomb. Jesus asked, do you finally believe? But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. When you will be scattered, each one of you, his own way leaving me alone. Yet, I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Can you imagine? No way, we're not going to leave you alone. What are you talking about? There's no way we would leave you alone. But we know what comes next. We know Gethsemane comes. We know Jesus is praying, and we know about the betrayal, and we know about his beating, and we know about his carrying on cross and his hanging on that cross alone. They had been scattered, save a few. Imagine had he not told them. Imagine during that time where the Holy Spirit would then bring back to them as they were nervous and scared, and yes, they were indeed scattered, just like he said. But instead of fretting and carrying on and being concerned, the words, the Holy Spirit would bring those words back. And in verse 33, he says, I have told you all of this so that you might have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart. Because I have overcome the world. He spent so much time speaking into their lives, preparing them for what was going to come. Next week, you're going to hear Pastor Dan walking you through chapter 17, through some of those most very difficult things. But Jesus spent chapter 16, and so much more than that, preparing them for what was to come. Why? Because, yes, he didn't want them to be shocked when it happened. But he needed them to understand the power of the Holy Spirit. And I believe he wants us to understand tonight the power of the Holy Spirit that resides in each one of his people. Amen. That he places that spirit into you because he desires to use you. Your pastor says, he's been saying it for a long time, time is short and eternity is long. There is a work that we have yet to do. So the question 
is the same title as the class. So what comes next? We know. Because Jesus has told us. We know. Will we carry on like the disciples did? Jesus spent all that time preparing him for the work of the ministry, knowing that this time was coming. The time when he would leave them and the work would be left to them. He assured them of the work of the Holy Spirit. He confidently explained what was to come so that they wouldn't be surprised. So that when it happened, they would know what to do. When I think back to Luke chapter 10, Jesus was giving very distinct instructions to how they were to go out. Remember when he sent them out two by two? He sent two people out, apostolic journey, sending them out to do the work of the ministry. And he, what did he tell them to take with them? Absolutely nothing. You don't even take an extra pair of shoes. You don't take a suitcase. You don't even take lunch. You take nothing. They learned right from jump how to rely upon the Holy Spirit. I truly believe that in all of his preparations of the first 12 disciples, which we heard a great expository uh, message about that last week from Pastor Scott Harms, they were simple people like us. They weren't theologians. They were just simple, ordinary people like you and like me. Many were fishermen. There was a tax collector. There was a zealot. There was even a thief. But Jesus spent three years investing into them for the work of the ministry. And there's no question in my mind today that in the same way he has chosen each one of us here tonight. There's nothing special about us. There might be Sunday school teachers sitting in here. There might be, I don't know, I, I don't know where y'all come from. But there might be some very learned people here. But most of us are a whole lot of nothing special. We're just regular people. But he's given us all the same responsibility no matter who we are, no matter what we do, no matter our giftings are, we all have the same responsibility in regards to the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So what's next? We talked at first, early, in 16, about the work of the Holy Spirit and how Jesus left us to do that, that he would spend his spirit to live inside of us, to give us everything that we need. And it's no different than it was with the disciples. Have you ever had a time in your life where God asked you to do something and you were like, what, me? I don't think so, God. You know who you're talking to? There have been many a times that I've said to God, remember when he called me into the ministry, I can tell you right where I was sitting in my living room and I was like, hold up. You can't be asking me that. That means I have to go back to school and God, you know I have this reading problem and I know me. But you know, as I learned to begin to trust God, when he opened doors of opportunity for me and just say yes, that's all he asks us to just say yes. And just like he did with the disciples, he promised to give them everything that they needed if they just said yes, if they just would go. I remember one time God asked me to take someone out for a meal to have a discussion with them regarding some difficulties that they were going through and I just went out of obedience because God said take them out for a meal and I had no answers for them none so we went out and we had our breakfast and our you know bacon and eggs and whatever and drinking coffee and and they were talking and talking and talking and unloading all of their stuff and all of a sudden out of nowhere it came three point 
process of a solution in my mind. And I shared that with them. I had no idea where it was coming from, right out the same mouth that had just drunk a cup of coffee. Come these words from God that spoke directly to her heart that gave her the path to how God wanted to work in the midst of that situation. Not because I was so smart, but because the Holy Spirit, as Jesus promised, would tell us what we need to know, would remind us what he had already told us. He wants to work through you as conduit the same way. It was so cool that I remember walking away from that table going, oh, God, that was good. i got to write that down. It was good. I can't tell you today what it was, but it was for that moment and right at that time. And God will do the same thing for everybody in this room that has a relationship with him. Because time is short and eternity is long. We prayed after that breakfast and we walked away. And I imagine him laughing. Because I struggled to say yes, to just go to have breakfast. But here's the thing. You and I no longer, no matter how long we've been saved... One of the very first things you learn when you come to faith is to spend time in God's word every day. And that's how he teaches us in the same way that he taught those disciples. They only had three years. I don't know about you, but I've had a lot, a lot of years. I got saved in 72. You do the math. Throw out some numbers. How long has it been since you, since you came to know Christ? Throw out some numbers. How many? 20? Thank you. Somebody else. Nice and loud. 18. 27. 1972? Woohoo, you were part of the wave. Somebody else. Awesome. Awesome, awesome. Somebody else. How many years? 20. 11. Now, it's a good thing we can look back and how many years that we have been serving God. And he doesn't expect us to be as smart as the many of years that we've been serving him. Because he teaches us day by day by day by day. And he teaches us according to the situations that he presents to us. And he simply says, respond to me with a yes to do the things that I open the door for you to do. We learn every day. Two things. I've been serving God a long time. You've been a disciple for a long time. And if you're older like me, you don't get to age out. There's things in life that we age out, right? Our kids aged out of drum corps. They hated it, but they did. They were too old to be in the drum corps. They aged out of kids camp or youth camp. It killed them to age out. But when it comes to serving God, we don't ever get to age out. As long as we have breath in these lungs, God will use us to minister to someone. There's a lady from this church, that I, and I won't use her name because I didn't ask permission to do that. But I went to see her. This was just recently, probably a month ago. And as sick as she was, and I'm not joking, she was sick. She couldn't move laying in that bed. And she, had a, she, she could speak, but everything was difficult. She couldn't swallow. She couldn't move. Every doctor and nurse that walked in that door, she blessed them in Jesus' name. 
She spoke into their life in Jesus' name. And there were doctors and nurses that walked out of that room in tears because she spoke the truth of Jesus to them. And she let them know that God had a plan for them that far exceeded what they do in the medical field. Are we willing, no matter where we are, and no matter what we're doing? Maybe you've just barely come to faith. I don't care how long you've been serving God. I remember our son. And I asked Rick this morning. I couldn't remember if he was like five or six. But he's sitting up in a treehouse with his buddy. And he had just given his life to Jesus at, at church the week before. And he's sitting up with his little friend in the tree, sharing all about Jesus. And led his little friend to Jesus, sitting in the tree at six years old. We can't be too young and we can't be too old. As long as we have breath in our lungs. He tells us things that we have no way of knowing. He opens doors that you and I could never open. And he recalls, and he allows us to, to recall the things that he said. The amazing work of the Holy Spirit in us. So what comes next? Next week you're going to talk about what came next in the life of Jesus. And the impact of that on your life and mine. But I want you to clearly understand this today. That the instructions that Jesus gave to his disciples are clearly for you and I today. So the question, what comes next? Will you be willing to allow the Spirit to remind you, to fill you, to move you, to take care, that he will take care of everything? And you just have ears to hear what the Spirit would say and be willing to do and go the places he calls you to do and go, even if that means your neighbor. Will you? That's the closing question. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise a hand here tonight. But I would pray that if we were to vocalize that, that there would be a resounding yes across this room. Knowing that the same promise he gave the disciples he gives to us today. His Holy Spirit is in us and time is short and eternity is long. You have a tremendous, tremendous opportunity this weekend with this musical to just invite somebody. Do you know that the majority of the people that will walk in the doors are here because someone invited them? Someone like you said, hey, we have a musical at our church. Would you come? And they come. I don't know what doors God would open to you, but the question is today, will you? What's next? I don't know what he will ask you, but what's your answer to what he will say? Bow your heads and pray with me. Father, we do thank you. And we praise you, God, for all that you are doing. God, for the power and the authority that, uh, that, that resides within each one of us. The power of your Holy Spirit. And God, I know that there have been times in my own life where just a, a, a giant of fear rises up. At times when you ask me to talk to somebody for you on your behalf about your gospel, about your plan for them. There's often with us a giant of fear rises up, and God, we would ask in the name of Jesus that you would stand before that giant of fear, that it would be demolished in Jesus' name, and that you would grant every man and woman in this place tonight the, the power and the authority of the Holy Spirit to reach those in their sphere of influence. 
God, we know that time is short. We know eternity is long. And as you left the disciples, you left them, Jesus, with a plan to reach everyone with the gospel. And that funneled down through the generations, oh God, until here we are today in 2023. And you are asking us the same thing. And you're saying, I'm giving you everything you need. Will you go? So Jesus, tonight, we answer to Thank you so much for being with us for the Life Together podcast. It's even better when we get to see you in person. You are invited to join us on Wednesday evenings here at Oak Creek Assembly of God. We are a church that exists to reach our world for Christ as we lead people to discover and become who God has created them to be. Find us online at oakcreekag.org.